Well, today we are continuing our series, the Sermon on the Mount, and so it is Matthew's Matthew chapters five through seven. And today we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19. And so if you have your Bible and you want to turn there and uh, kind of get a head start, that's where we'll be. So Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. And what Jesus is doing this week, now of course the Sermon on the Mount, and I've said this over the last several weeks, it is the most famous sermon ever preached. And if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, if you want to know what it means to live a Christian life, you just have to go through these three chapters. And it just Jesus very simply and yet difficultly, I don't know if that's a word or not, but he lays it out for us. And so that is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And today Jesus is going to be addressing to us what we treasure in life. You know, what is really important in the life of a follower of Jesus now, there's a lot of different things that we value, a lot of different things that we find important. Now, I know that since I've been, been a kid, or I, I have always enjoyed looking at cars. Now, I don't know anything about cars. Emily knows more about cars than I do, but I enjoy looking at them. And I just think, I think if I had to fix a car and my life depended on it, just go ahead and shoot me, because it's not going to happen. But when I was in high school, I drove a 1984 Firebird. I know I've told y'all that before, but I, you know, I was the coolest looking person in the whole school because of that car. I drove it in college, which is part of the reason why I believe that I'm married, because I think Emily just couldn't take her eyes off of me as I was driving in that car. So a great car. Now, the car I have now is the, my favorite car that I've ever had. and It's a, it's a 2010 Mustang. Have y'all seen me in that thing? I, I look really cool in that car, especially... Now, what I like about the car, is it's, it's not even the look, but it is Mustangs make the best sound ever. I mean, I just lo I love to roll down the window so I can just hear it for myself. And so it's just, it's a lot of fun. And then the, on the inside, I can change, if you have a Ford, you can change the color of your interior lights. Now, that's another added feature. Right now, mine is on ice blue. And so if you see me driving at nighttime, you know, I just sort of have this nice blue glow to me. So it's just a lot of fun. So that is something that, that I've, I've, I just always have valued cars. But here's what's a little bit disconcerting. When you buy a car and you drive it off of the lot, on average, you lose $2,600 when you drive it off of the lot. Within the first year, your car loses another $5,600. Okay, now what does all that mean? Well, here's what it means for me. It means that I need to reevaluate what I value in life because a lot of times the things that I value, they're not as valuable as I think they are. Now, they might be valuable for the short term, but they're not valuable for the long term. And that, in a sense, is really what Jesus is going to be addressing today as we look in our passage of Scripture. And Jesus is pointing out to us what it is in life that we are to value and what it is in life that we should not place a lot of value on. And, and I was convicted when I went through this passage of Scripture. Because when I went through the scripture, I, I began to realize there are some things that I place importance on that really, that really don't carry with it a whole lot of weight. And so I began to realize there are some things that I need to reevaluate in my own life. And my hope is, is that we go through the scripture, that you'll take time to think of some things 
that maybe you need to reevaluate in your own life as well. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus talking to his followers about what it is that they value in their lives. And so that's what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19. Now, before we get there, one thing that I am figuring out or that I've noticed about people and people in general is that we, we have a lot of stuff, but even though we have a lot of stuff, it seems like that we always want to get more stuff. You know, it's almost like we're just never quite satisfied with what we have. Um, I read an article that said that 90% of the world's wealth is held by people who live in North America, Europe, and in the Asian Pacific states. 90% of the world's wealth. Really interesting. Uh, as a matter of fact, that article went on to say that if you have assets worth over $61,000, that you are among the 10% of the most wealthy people in the world. Okay, so I thought about that, and I thought, that's what, here's what this means, and I'm just taking a stab here, but this is what this means for everybody in this room right now. You are among the wealthiest people in the world. It's pretty hard to believe, isn't it? You are everybody in here, again, I'm just guessing, I could be wrong with one or two, but you're among the wealthiest people in the world. And yet, here's what's interesting. We want more. We're among the wealthiest people in the world, and yet we're not quite satisfied. Now, why is that? Well, here it is. It's because the things of this world don't satisfy. The things of this world have a short shelf life. The things of this world are temporary. And so what Jesus is doing here, he said, guys, you need to reevaluate what you find valuable in life because you want to make sure that you are investing yourself and your life in things that carry weight beyond this life and into the next life. So what are you, what are you uh, investing your life in? And so Jesus shares with us today three factors for us to consider before we invest before we make a decision about what is going to be valuable in our lives. And the very first thing, the very first factor we ought to consider uh, when, before we invest is the value, the value of what we're investing in. And that's why I want to read to you in verses 19 through 20 at this section. Jesus said, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. Now, in some, in some instances, I look at this and I see Jesus is basically acting like a financial advisor to us in these two verses. Jesus is saying, okay, I'm your financial advisor. Let, let me tell you, there's some good things for you to invest in, and there are other things that are not good to invest in, because there are some things that hold value, and there are other things that don't hold value. And so that's why Jesus says, when you invest, he said, make sure that you don't invest where? Where did he say? Hello. Where? On earth. That's right. Thank you, Lorenzo. One guy. On earth. So, uh, so when, whenever you're investing, make sure you don't invest everything here. 
Okay, now I look at that, and just from a logical viewpoint, I go, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I live here. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to have treasure, I, have to, I will have treasure here. And so if I have treasure here, then I want to use my treasure where it's going to benefit me the most, which is here. Now, now Jesus wasn't saying that, that money is a bad thing. He was not saying that having material things is a bad thing. I mean, we all know that money is something that is needed in order to survive in life. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to put food on the table, it takes money. You know, if you're going to be able to pay your mortgage, it takes money. You know, if you're going to be able to take care of your children, it, ta- it takes money, right? It takes a whole lot of it. So we know that money is something that is a necessity. So Jesus wasn't saying that money is evil, but he was saying that if you place your hopes and your confidence in, in th- those things, he saw that's where you get in trouble. And we get in trouble with those things because those things are all temporary. That's why Jesus said you're not to collect for yourselves treasures on earth. That word collect, it is a picture of a man getting a bunch of coins and he's just stacking them up row after row. Not doing anything with them. He's just simply hoarding them for himself. And whenever we begin to get wealth like that, it is very easy for us to get a false sense of confidence. Begin to think, I don't need anybody, and I don't need anything else. I've got everything that I need right here. And Jesus said, when you do that, you're making a big mistake. Because the world's temporary. We're told in 1 John 2, 16 and 17, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, he said, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world, which is the key part, is passing away. It's temporary. And also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now, now Jesus said the world is temporary. When you invest in it, it's passing away. Now back in this day, where people would store up their wealth, typically was in, was in clothing and in food products, grain. And so that's how you had wealth. You would have, that would be sort of your nest egg. You'd have your clothes and you'd have food products. Now, Jesus said those things are temporary. That's why he said you want to invest where moth and rust don't destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. Now, moths would speak. This made sense to the people back then because it was, they, they stored up their wealth in clothing. What do moths do? They, they can get in your clothing. They can eat your clothing. And they can destroy the wealth. So that's something that's temporary. When Jesus said where moth, and then he said, and where rust destroyed, that word rust, it means to eat. It was actually speaking in this day, it was not speaking about you know, having metal and it rusting away, although that would work, but it was referring to, the, the word rust means to eat, it was referring to vermin, you know, mice getting into your food products and eating it. And you said when you invest in the things of this world, there are elements in this world that can destroy what you are placing your hope and your trust in. So very simply, Jesus said, don't, don't invest in things of this world. Things of this world, they decay. Those things of this world, they go away. So, so where are we supposed to invest? Jesus said you want to invest in a place where, you, where your wealth is not susceptible to the elements. You know, where's that? You know, well, what are the elements for us today? The elements for us today is, you know, the, you know, if you invest in the stock market, I mean, that can be fun some days, and then other days, you know, it's horrible. You know, because it's, it's up and it's down. 
Um, you can you can invest in uh, you can invest in you know other temporary things like material things. Now, now what's bad about that? Well, what's bad about that is those temporary things. They eventually, if it's in cars or anything like that, they begin to break down. So, so where's this place where we're not affected by the elements? Where's this magical place? It's heaven. You said you want to invest in a place where your investment's going to be safe. That is only in heaven, and God is the bodyguard of heaven, and nobody's getting past him. Now, what, what product is it that holds eternal value? You know what it is? It's your soul. It's people. And that's why you want to invest in people. And spend your life reaching people. Yeah, that's why Jesus came into our world. He came into our world in order to rescue people from the power of sin. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, now do you want to invest in an endeavor that holds value? Then invest yourself in pointing people to Jesus. Because Jesus changes and transforms lives. And when people hear about Jesus, they can respond to the message of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, comes to live within, within us. Now, 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us, Don't you know that you are God's sanctuary and that the Spirit of God lives in you? And if God lives in you, then that means that what comes out of you is going to be from God. Yeah, you know, it's kind of think of your faith like almost like being like a... A, a germ. You know, if, you, if you're, I don't know how many of y'all are, you know, germ freaks. You know, every Sunday we come in here and we shake hands. That's a good thing. But I'm just automatically thinking, God, I wonder how many germs are y'all like passing around. And so I just stand up here and watch y'all do it. And so, you know, we, you, if, you, if you sneeze or you cough, you know, people cough, and they rub their eyes, and then you touch somebody else, man, all that stuff that you got, it's getting on other people. Okay, and then they, they get that stuff. Now, it's because it's what's on the inside, it's going to make its way out. Okay, now, in a weird kind of sense, that's, 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 that's true, same thing's true with God. When God is on the inside of you, then that means that everything that you come into contact with, that you touch, it's going to spread. If you really follow Jesus, and he's inside of you, then what comes out of you is going to be Jesus. And it's going to touch and spread to other people. And Jesus is worth spreading. I mean, Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Guys, that, that's, that's where we need to put our value. So before you make an investment, a factor to consider is the value of what you're investing in. But, but here's something, another factor to consider before you invest is, you know, what does it do to your vision? What you're investing in, you know, what does it do to how you see things? Uh, verses 21 through 23, that's what Jesus said. He said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now that's sort of a, it's sort of a kind of a mysterious language that Jesus is using in these verses. I mean, if you read those verses, it's kind of like, what exactly is he saying here? Now Jesus was speaking by using an idiom. And a, an idiom is a saying whose meaning or whose words have little to do with the saying that's being used. Now let me try to give you a couple of examples. We have idioms today 
that, um, you know, they don't really, by themselves, you're like, what does that mean? But you just sort of know what they mean. You know, like whenever somebody says, man, you know what you just said? You hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's an idiom. Um, I used one this morning. My wife came up. She's not in here. She said, don't use that one again. I said, yeah, that guy's taking a dirt nap. Okay, that's another idiom. Y'all know what a dirt nap is? Anybody know? I was amazed. There were some people that didn't know what it meant this morning. I just, I just love that saying. It's not a good one. Uh, dirt nap, what is it? it means somebody is what? It means they're dead. Okay, so, uh, but it has nothing to do with like literally taking a dirt nap. Anyway, I'm spending too much time on this. Uh, so that was an idiom. Okay, now Jesus is using an idiom here when he speaks. Uh, what is the idiom Jesus uses? Well, he says, uh, he tells us that the eye is the lamp of the body. What does that mean? Well, it's an idiom. And Jesus said, he's, and what it means is it means that when you look out at the world, what you see shows what's in your heart. So, what does that mean? Okay, so like if I look out at people, do I, do I look out at people and have compassion on them? Do I look out at people and, and, and the world and say this is a world that is broken and that is in need of Jesus? Or do I look at the world and think, what can I get out of this for me? Now, whenever Jesus is inside of me, it's going to change the way that I view the world. I'm going to view the world in brokenness and a world that is in need of hearing a message of hope. But if, I, if I'm living in darkness and the only thing that I'm thinking about is myself. There's a great story about a, a, a man, an older man, who's very wealthy, but he, and he just was not enjoying life. And so he went to see his rabbi. As he talked to the rabbi, he said, I just I don't have joy in my life. I, I have everything, and yet I am not joyful. And the rabbi said, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to go to that window, look out the window, and tell me what you see. So he walks over to the window, and he looks out, and he's, he said, I see, I mean, I see men, women, and children. He said, right, now I want you to come over here. And he said, I want you to look here. He said, look into this mirror, and what do you see? He looked at it, and he said, well, I see myself. And the rabbi said, isn't it, isn't it interesting that they are both glass, but when you put a little silver in one of them, you're no longer able to see others, but you're only able to see yourself. And, and, that, and that is so true with life today. You see, in life today, you just put a little, a little money on the table, some material things on the table, and it's very easy all of a sudden to lose sight of others, and the only thing that we see is ourselves. And when that happens, then our vision for God and the things of God become blurry and we are blinded to the things of this life. You know, you know, studies have been done that show that if you spend too much time in darkness, that it affects your vision and you can eventually lose it. In, in coal mining country back in the 1800s and the early 1900s, they would use mules to go down into the mines and they would go and work in the mines, but ever so often they had to bring those mules up during the day to let them walk around in the pastures because if they didn't, those mules would begin to lose their eyesight because they'd been spending too much time in the darkness. So I thought about that. I thought, how's your vision? You know, what is your, you know, what is your vision like? What's your eyesight like? Now, physically speaking, my eyesight's not all that great. Um, everything's blurry. The older I get, the closer everything has to get before I can see it. Um, and, I, and when I look off in a distance, you know, everything's kind of blurry. When I'm driving at night, it's hard to see street signs. Now, the way I correct that is I, I have contacts. And so I, and when I wear contacts and when I'm driving, I'm able to see clearly. 
Now, just for fun, sometimes I don't wear them and just go driving around. That's kind of exciting. But, uh, but I put contacts in so that everything is clear. Okay, now spiritually speaking, on my own, my vision is very blurry. Spiritually speaking, I'm a selfish person by nature. Spiritually speaking, by nature, when I look out at the world, I look to see how is the world going to treat me. But the way that I can correct my vision is I spend time looking into God's Word to see what the truth of God's Word has to say. And it begins to clear up my vision as to what it is that I'm to be seeking in life. That's why we always encourage people in our church to, to become a part of one of our V groups where we gather together and we do Bible study and we look to see how God calls for us to live our lives. It's why serving is such a big part in our church. Because as we serve, we are doing and we are becoming more like Jesus. In, in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, th so the first factor for us to consider when we are making an investment is what, what is the value of what I'm investing in? Not only that, but you know, what is the vision how does it affect my vision of what I'm investing in? Am I living in the light or the darkness? And then here's the last thing, the last factor to consider when investing. It's this, you need to consider your commitment. If you're going to invest, let me tell you something, it's going to take commitment. In verse number 24, the last verse, Jesus said, No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. Now this, this verse brings us to a very important moment. Jesus has shared all these things, and he finally comes to a moment and says, Okay guys, it's time to choose. You have to make a decision. Which master are you going to serve in life? And there's only two choices. You either serve God or you serve the world. Those are the only two choices we have. Now, I think sometimes we look at it, and I think, well, God serves me. You know, he does what I, you know, I, I use him as a personal genie. God, this is what I want, and so you do this. And then the world is supposed to make me feel good. But Jesus says, that's not the way it works. He said, you know, you're not the boss. He said, you and me, we are slaves. The question is, who is our master? Is it God, or is it the world? And there's only two choices. And so Jesus said you can't, you can't play the fence. You can't, I mean, you can't ride the fence. You can't play both sides. It's one or the other. It is God or it's the world. Now Joshua reminded the people of this in the Old Testament. When he brought the people to a point of decision in Joshua 24, 15, he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. He said, whether, gods, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living, he said, but it's for me and my house. He said, we will serve the Lord. Guys, if, if you're going to be on a team, you have to pick a team. You, you can't play for both teams. You, you choose, right? If you've ever played on a team, you play for one team. You know, can you imagine the USC-Clemson football game this year? If Deshaun Watson said, okay, first, first half, I'm playing for Carolina. Okay, I personally would be okay with that. But, you know, first half I'm going to play for Carolina. Second half I'm going to play for Clemson. You think that's going to work? There's no way it's going to work. The coaches aren't going to allow it. You know, the Clemson's like, hey, when we're giving you a scholarship, you, know, you can't play for them. Hey, you can't do it because, because they have the two teams have different goals. They want the other team to lose. And the same thing is true spiritually. Because you can't play 
for God and the world because they have opposing viewpoints. I mean, God says, I want you, I want you to follow me and to repent of your sins and to trust me. And the world says, live for yourself. Do what you want. God says you need to honor your spouse and love your spouse and, and treat your spouse with respect. And, and the world says, if it feels good, do it. God says, I want you to serve others and serve in the name of Christ. And the world says, you serve yourself and you take care of yourself. And if anybody gets in your way, you crush them. Okay, so what does this mean? It means if you're going to invest, you have to choose. You choose God, or you're going to choose the things of this world. But if you're going to choose, let me tell you something, when you choose, it is an all-in commitment. It's not like I'm just going to play around here and play with God on Sundays, do what I want the rest of the time. You either, you're either all in or you're all out. With God, you're in or you're out. Yeah, I don't know how many of y'all watch uh, the show, have y'all heard of the show Shark Tank? I watch. I, I've, I've seen it like twice, and I watched it a few weeks ago. It was a great. It was a great show on one uh, one uh, about three weeks ago, and I don't. I didn't even know what they were talking about, but it was this product, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." And so, the, what happened is this guy, and I think his name was Byron Young. He'd been a lineman for thirty years, and uh, and they were talking about this product. I think the Melnick product. I mean, and what? It, and so I, I'll try to explain. I don't even know what it meant, but I was like, "Well, this is a cool story." Okay, so the linemen, apparently, they have to crimp lines together when they get up on the line. And whenever they do that, they have to use this big tool, and it takes a lot, you know, thousands of pounds of pressure. It takes 10 minutes to do it, and so much exertion, a lot of guys end up hurting their shoulders. And so this guy named Melnick, he came up with a, this little tiny contraption. It's like, it was like plastic. It's like this big. You use two little wrenches, and, uh, and you're able to crimp the lines together in just a matter of minutes. Okay, so big tool, 10 minutes. Lots of shoulder injuries, little tool, two little wrenches, nobody gets hurt. Okay, so the lineman, they gave him the product to, to try it out, and he was sold. I mean, this is awesome. Been doing it for 30 years. Now, that whenever they talked to him about it, he said, I want to invest in your company. He invested $50,000 in the company without knowing the men that he would be working with and without knowing the value of the company. He said, the only thing I know is I used it, it worked, and I was sold. He said, I'm all in. And I thought, man, that is exactly the kind of commitment that we need when it comes with God. You know, whenever we work on our own, we're sitting there trying to crimp the lines of life together, and it takes so much effort and exertion, and we hurt ourselves because it just never quite works. And then Jesus comes along and says, you try me. Try me. Let, let, let me do the work for you. And then whenever he does, he changes everything. It absolutely transforms and changes everything. But, but, for, but for you to see how Jesus works, you have to be all in and commit and say, I, I can't serve two masters. I'm going to choose God or the world. And if you choose God, guys, it will, it will change your life. Now let me close with this thought and try to bring it all back around. What is it when you really are serious, what is it you are investing your life in? What is it that you are choosing to serve in your life? Now, some of us, we are, we are, choosing, we are choosing wealth to serve. We are choosing being comfortable. 
Yeah, that's where we're going to place all of our investment or we're choosing to invest everything that we have in being able to have some power. Now, Jesus says those things are real. He said, but they don't last. And if you go after those things, eventually they're going to wear out and run out. And my hope is that you'll have a desire to invest yourself and invest your life in something that, law, that, that lasts beyond you. That has eternal value. See, whenever you invest in Jesus, here's what's really cool. What's really pretty, pretty amazing. When you invest in Jesus, Jesus, does, he, he takes care of everything. He takes care of your present. And there, there's hope. There's, there's life. He takes care of your future. When you invest yourself in Jesus, he provides you with eternity. But you know what else he takes care of? He takes care of your past. And that's where, that's where so many of us get in trouble. We're, we're trying to do everything we can to make our lives better. Because we can't take care of our past. And there's some things that we have done in our past that wear us out. And we think, I can't believe that happened to me. And we are, we are just absolutely crushed by guilt and failure in the past. And Jesus says, you invest in me. He says, I will take care of your past and I will forgive and in Psalm 103.12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Okay, now what are you investing in? Because if you're investing in the things of this world, that those things will not deal with your past. You might say, well, they take care of some good things in the present. Well, that's fine. But they don't deal with your past, and they ain't going to deal with your future. They're not going to take care of your eternity. So what are you investing in? Who are you serving? God or the world? My hope for you is that you'll invest in, in God. And how do I do that? You place your trust and your hope in Him. You ask Him for forgiveness. You tell Him that you believe in Him, that He died for you and rose from the grave. And you tell Him that you will serve Him. And you're asking him to be your savior.